This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted pride of West London podcast. And this week, I mean, you know, every week we like to find a nice little boozer to hang out in with. This week, we're in a booze that we've never been to. Well, we haven't been to for about a year, probably about a year and a half. It's a boozer called the Virtual Joint. And uh, I don't know, not many of you have been the same boozer as this boozer as with us at the same time. But the Virtual Joint, we used to come here practically every single week. And we're back here in the virtual joint, and I'm here. I've got my pint here. I'm having a, a little bit of a, a couple of swigs of a pride, and it's very nice. And uh, I'm joined here with my mates in the virtual joint. I'm Billy Grant, and I've had a very nice week so far. After Saturday at five o'clock, I've had a very nice week, and it's been very nice. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But like I said, my name's Billy Grant, and I'm here in the virtual joint with Mr. Dave Lane. How are you, Lane? Lee? I'm all, oh, well, how are you, Lane? That's a bit formal, isn't it? Like in, <laughs> in the army. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Last, last night put a big smile on my face. You know, I, I was about to start the campaign after the Chelsea game to keep football out of football. But um, I think, uh, I, think I, I, I shot myself in the foot because you wouldn't you want to kept football out of football last night because that was, that was pretty special what we found. And, uh, you know, it just shows you just how the, the footballing pendulum swings one way than t'other. And, uh, you know, it, it, it really does sum up Brentford's inconsistency, doesn't it? We can be shocking and amazing in, uh, in sort of 72 hours almost. So, uh, yeah, so last night, um, put a massive smile on the face. It was a shot in the arm we all needed after Chelsea. And last night, obviously, you were talking about the Aston Villa game where Brentford played Aston Villa and they beat Aston Villa, which I wasn't, I wasn't going to sort of allude to too early because I was just thinking that if we go into sort of boasty mode too early into the fans, you know, we've got nothing else to sort of go on, you know, at the back end of it, you know. But, you know, as you mentioned it, yes, we did beat Aston Villa yesterday for the first time in, I think, since 1940. Well, actually, not the first time ever, actually. It's the last time we've played them in the league since 1947. And we beat them, and uh, they weren't very happy. Even though the Villa fans in the pub who were with us, and there was loads of them as well, they were top, top, top fellas and lasses as well. But, you know, other than that, it was all good. So, um, the Allard is back. Matt Allard, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. Um, I mean, in, my, in, the, um, in our virtual pub, I've got... They're showing, they're showing Brentford, the Brentford Villa game again on, in, the, um, in the background. 
Um, so that's that's quite cool. Um, last night, actually, I've got to, I've got to be honest. I, I'm you know I'm always honest. Didn't I didn't I didn't get to the game. I was out I was out celebrating a very important birthday, and I decided to do radio silence um, during the game. Um, and then when I got home, I watched decided to watch it sort of as live. And I had a quick glance at my phone, and I looked at the a WhatsApp group, and I had over a hundred. There was over a hundred messages in that group, which made me think. Um, that this could have gone one of two ways. It, it was either going to be some unbelievable rebirth, or we had just been hammered five or six nil. And, and obviously, you have uh, you, you well, you actually you fell asleep, didn't you? So you didn't actually see the game at all. <laughs> I, I, I didn't. There was no way I was going to fall asleep during that. It was um, yeah, I, it, it was just pretty amazing. And yeah, I joined in the conversation as soon as I could. Excellent, excellent, yeah. We'll talk about that, 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 that later. We'll talk about that later, as we say, because getting all tongue-tied because I'm so excited about what happened last night. And we have a return. He hasn't been he hasn't been in a virtual joint for, you know, probably about a year or so, but it's a very welcome to return to Mr Jim Levac. Jim, how are you doing? All right, Billy, not too bad. Yeah, yeah. good to be back. Um, yeah. And obviously I've had a, a fantastic day living, as I do, in the Midlands, working with uh, quite a few Villa fans and blues fans i can safely sit there in the corner of the office with a smug smile on my face having taken six points off them uh, fairly comprehensively and, and last night was a uh, fantastic fantastic night i mean it's always good to make a bit of history but the way we did it as well was was uh, well i think gave a lot lot of hope to everybody after what as you say had been a pretty uh, a miserable Saturday in the cup, really. Um, and as, as Dave says, you know, what a difference 72 hours makes. You know, it's just it's a funny old game, isn't it? It is a funny old game. And I've got to ask the question, because obviously you live in the Midlands, you live with a lot of Villa fans. I mean, Birmingham City fans as well. We don't talk about them. I mean, they, they, they would be dead with them about a month ago. <laughs> but you live with a lot of Villa fans. And did you find that they kind of like asking you lots of questions because they had no idea about Brentford or our players or anything like that? There's, uh, I mean, I think the, the, the Blues fans know a little bit more about us, but Villa, um, from from my experience, are a better bunch of supporters. They, you know, they, they sort of they're more appreciative of good football, whereas Blues have never really been the sort of uh, you know the, the arbiters of, of of playing slick football like we try to do now. Um, and I, I think you know today all the feedback I've had from Villa fans has been. Fantastic, you know, completely outplayed us. Um, you know, you were really impressive. Yes, we, we had a sort of new midfield and it will take time to gel. But, you know, there's still the heart was there from your lot. And, uh, you know, really sort of magnanimous in defeat they were, I thought. Fantastic. Yeah, which is good. And the reason why I'm asking that is just I thought it was quite amazing because in the pub, like I said, there there's loads of Villa fans, the Sutton Coldfield Villa fans were there who were great, about 50 of them that came down, but they were absolutely brilliant, really good set of lads and lasses. But, I mean, they were asking us questions like, who the hell's got Hogan? You know, they just spent £9 no, million no. on the player, had no idea who he was. You know, that ginger guy. Yeah, but, but, you know, let's be honest, Bill. I mean, you know, you look at... I, I watched League One the League One and League Two roundups still, but I bet you there's a lot of Brentford fans who have actually who actually don't bother watching that on on uh, you know on five. Um, but I think it's important to keep in touch with your roots. Now, you know they Villa have just come down from the Premier League and they've always been there, so so this is a new experience for them. Um, and I think you know it's it's 
a lot of, it's one that a lot of them are really enjoying you know but I think it's important that we we don't forget where we came from personally and the fact that Villa have never been here uh, I think it's quite nice I think that they're, they're really enjoying the season well listen we won't forget where we came from, but we're going to go to where we came from on Saturday because we're going to look back at the games. Two games in, what, 72 hours, as you say. We played Chelsea on Saturday. Didn't quite go according to plan. We had a good day out, but didn't quite go according to plan. And then on Tuesday, we had Villa come to town. So let's listen to the people in the pub. Let's hear what they had to say after the matches. That was so shit. I was just so shit. We're just, we're medium. We're fucking, we're, we're growing up and paying the bills. There's no more excitement. There's no more anything. This is how we are now. We sell players. We pay the bills. We go to games like this. We don't even really try. We have players that are talented but have no heart. This is, this is what life is now. It's fine. It's good. It's better than we could ever have hoped for. But it's not very exciting. So uh, it's interesting because you're saying basically the new Brentford is not a very exciting Brentford. That's what I'm saying. It's good. We should be grateful for it in many ways. Like you should be grateful for having a house when everyone else is renting. But at the end of the day, it's 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 not very exciting, is it? Yeah, I did expect us to lose at four uh, nil. So uh, last week at Wigan, what was, without trying? Uh, yeah, last week at Wigan just summed it up for me. We seem to be quite negative going forward. We're, we're, we're not we're not we're not passing with a purpose. We're not moving the ball quickly. It's, it's just a bit depressing. I know they're the best team in England and that, but it, it's almost like we didn't have a go today. We had a couple of chances. Had um, Vibe or Inara scored, it might have been different, but I could never see us getting through anything out of the game, to be honest. I'd say the worst performance today by a million miles was the fans. We took 6,000 to Stamford Bridge today. We had 100 on the boat today and we had a great time. And we sat there with 6,000 fans today and we were atrocious. Never have I ever been so embarrassed to be a Brentford fan than I have been today. Mediocre at best. I mean, the thing is that, I'm not being funny, Chelsea, listen, we come here, we know we know what we're going to be up against, but normally have a bit of a go, don't you? Well, that's all we wanted. You know, you know you're going to be up against a side, don't matter what they put out, you expect them to be better than Brentford. I don't disagree with that, but I expect the turn-up, same as at Wigan last week, to just see the boys at least have a go. And it's that perceived look of no interest that pisses me off, mate, I tell you. Too easy, I think. Don't know what's going on, just... It's all in the middle, I think. We just don't seem to have anything in the middle of the park. Yeah, yeah. Distributing the ball out, you know. Losing the ball. Losing the ball. I mean, they're... No fight. No fight, I don't think. It's a tough season to watch this season, I think. I still think we're so lucky to be where we are. You think, like, ten years ago, we were going and, like, they were shaking buckets trying to keep the club going. So I'm still so thankful to be in the championship, but it's hard, it's hard viewing at the minute. We always expected to, to be honest with you, but fair play to Brentford for turning up. You have got some great support, and in my eyes, you're the second team in West London. Hogan should have started. If he was fit, he should have started. Jota should have started, so... You know, there's no point changing it 10 minutes to go, so... Wickham, obviously, went to Tottenham today, gave them a right old game, you know what I'm saying, didn't yeah, they? absolutely, yeah, we were keeping an eye on the score, because um, my girlfriend's uh, kids are Wickham fans, and they they were all over him in the first half. Um, I've got good friends with a Spurs fan, they said they were terrible first half, and Wickham deserved it. Um, but second half, I brought a few players on, I think they managed to turn it around and hit Wickham when they were tired. Um, but we should have been a bit more at the races there. We were very poor. Billy, there, it was a no-show all round. The first half, I have never seen 
such an inept and a spineless performance. Such a woeful, woeful, woeful team selection from Dean Smith. What the hell he was doing, leaving Hogan on the bench. Either Hogan starts or he doesn't get involved at all. Either Hotter starts or he doesn't get involved at all. I've seen wider kipper ties in that team performance. There was nothing. There was three midfielders tripping over each other in the centre of the park yet again. We were passing it sideways, sideways, backwards. Disinterested, unambitious, spineless, pointless. That first half, forget Chelsea, forget Stamford Bridge. I don't care. We've played worse teams and done better. We've played better teams and done worse. But that was just utterly, utterly woeful. No, I'm not happy at all. I, 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 didn't, I didn't come to Stamford Bridge to be like a... I didn't come to Stanford Bridge for it to be a theme park day out for me. I actually came here to see my team give it a proper go, and I, I'm not sure I, I saw that at all. Um, when, when, when Chelsea came out of the hat and Brentford's name followed, I got excited. I got no idea why I got excited. Um, what's the point in getting Chelsea if you don't try and beat them? We might as well have gone to Carlisle today. I, I, I thought the atmosphere was flat. I thought the performance of the team was flat. Um, you know, we, we can't be expected to beat Chelsea. I, I didn't come here expecting us to, to turn them over, but we, we weren't. We weren't even in it. Smith, Smith didn't set them up in any way, shape, or form to cause any upset or even draw that game. We, we let them come onto us, um, and they pretty much could do whatever they wanted at will. And they had they had the players to do it. We had nothing in reply. And that's not that's not going to be harsh on Brentford because you know they are world class players we're up against. But I just I you know Wickham can come away from Tottenham knowing that their team give it a go. We can come away going, what was all that about? What a waste of time. Billy, I thought it was exceptional. You know, I thought we got absolutely spot on today after being woefully off the mark on Saturday I thought formation tactics people playing in the right position you know the people I thought played the worst on Saturday were probably the best today I thought Nico had a great game today Vibe had a great game today I thought the whole thing from front to back was exceptional credit to everyone including the manager and the fans very good night uh, no I, th I think it's very much about the formation it's about the, the players um, it's someone like Hotter starting doing the right things, pushing us forward, staying wide, all of that stuff really helps us play. McEachern, Woods played perfectly together, they just destroyed their midfield. They got, they got a lot of good players, but we just destroyed them. McEachern and, um, and Woods together were superb today. You should have beat, beaten us by a bigger margin. So basically we didn't do good enough. You, you played well, you, you missed a few chances in the second half that you should have buried. We were overrun. We looked good for the first 15 minutes, better than we've looked for a long time. But I had no answer for you. We were putting low, long balls up. Every time our goalkeeper or one of our defenders put the ball up for Codger, your lads were picking it up. You're number 23. What a fantastic player he is. Hotter, we just got him back. We got him back on loan. He played for us in our, um, in our playoff season a couple of years ago. Had to go to Spain for family reasons, but we pulled him back today. And uh, again, he's one of the players that, you know, we picked him up for about, oh, about a million pounds a couple of seasons ago. And again, you know, it shows in this division, you can get players for decent yeah. money. You don't have to spend 10, 12, 15 million pounds on players, you know. But they play with their heart. That's the difference. None of the Villa players out there, they, they, they lack enthusiasm and determination. They don't need it. They don't need to play because they're getting the money regardless. They don't, have to, they don't have to play and put a performance in to keep a place in the side. When I seen the team come out and we actually looked as if we got a bit of presence. So the first 20 minutes I thought, yeah, I'll go 20 minutes. I thought, yeah, 
we're going to take this to them. But could you miss a chance? And then they go, change it, we keep missing too many chances. Yeah, absolutely superb. The ginger-haired bloke in midfield. Oh, Ryan Woods, the one, the one that's just down the corner from you, who, who, who was born around the corner from Villa. Absolutely brilliant. And 23. Hotter, hotter, the, 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 the Spanish. Yeah. Brilliant. Two best players on the pitch. Two best players on the pitch, easily. And, I mean, it, if you sold us Hogan, I mean, what would you get for Woods? What would you get for... I thought tonight was our best performance of the season. I thought it was the most brilliant shot in the arm after the Chelsea game. I don't want to disrespect Aston Villa and, um, and gloat. It's about Villa. Tonight it's just about a win. It doesn't matter whether it's Bristol City, whether it was against Rotherham United. It makes it a little bit better because it, they're, they're slightly more illustrious. I think the Villa people that have been here tonight, they've been completely and utterly um, decent, honourable, and um, they've taken defeat in the best way possible. They've been friendly before and friendly after the game. Their team were played off the pitch tonight. So two matches, two very contrasting matches. We had Chelsea on Saturday, admittedly top of the league, best team in the country by far. And then we had Villa, who had just been relegated from the Premier League. And there were two absolutely and totally different displays by Brentford. Chelsea, some people might say that we didn't turn up. Some people say that it's a little bit unfair because Chelsea are a very, very good side. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, what can you do when you've got, you know, players kind of bombing down the wing and taking you on? But on the other hand, Villa, we actually did turn up. And uh, after a sort of slightly slow start, which uh, Villa didn't score luckily, boom, we came back at them. Laney, I know that you were pretty despondent after the game on Saturday, weren't you? I was very despondent, yeah. I'd, um, you know, did paraphrasing myself you know uh, it felt like um I, you know it felt like I, I was I paid good money to go and watch Chelsea which I, I never want to do um I wanted to see my team give them a go and we, we didn't even do that you know um there's been Villa fans and Brentford fans have criticized Villa last night for not being very good and not not trying but we we were we were like a poor poor imitation of Villa you know at least Villa had a 15 minute spell where they looked dangerous last night we didn't even have that so we looked like Chelsea last night and uh, um, you know and that, that, that that inconsistency and I, I think what really is infuriated me or, or or kind of got me a bit confused was seeing how we can play. We we can, you know, last night we showed that. I know we had a, um, you know, a, a, we had a new new uh, new winger and can um, and us um, Jota started, but you know, we we had Josh Clark, or we, we could have set set ourselves up in a very similar way at Chelsea, um, when you know Matt's been advocating width and pace and tempo for for weeks and weeks and smith's come under a, a you know, justifiably a lot of a lot of stick for 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 not setting us up right or not not seeming to sort of get get the best out of the players last night um i don't know what happened you know it was it was the formation that we've been crying out for um and and it it, it, it just proved that we should have been playing that way for weeks um so you know, hopefully some lessons have been learned, and we're just a little bit less risk averse, as we used to say. You know, we we need to. We've got the tools, we've got the players, and we've got we've got a we've got a sort of surplus of skill now in in, in sort of wide areas. So you know, we, we need to take take games to play and um, take games to the opposition and just go for it like we used to. So you know, if we can get some sort of consistency, then um, let's let's put Chelsea behind us. But you know. 
we can't revert back to that negative kind of um, just unable to pick your best team. We know what our best team is now because we saw it last night. I mean, I'm going to bring Jim Levesque in here because I know Jim Levesque is very... Um, he thinks it's not necessarily so black and white. It's not necessarily about the way that, you know, the team's set up. He thinks that there's maybe sometimes, you know, a little bit more fundamental issues as to the reasons why we don't play where we are. And also there's a lot of criticism that goes in at times, not all the time, for, for, for Dean Smith. Some of it may be justified, may, some of it may not be justified. But I know, Jim, you've got some thoughts about that, don't you? Well, I, you know, I, I sort of speak as I find and I think Dean Smith is a very, very good man. And an honest man, and I think that's why Matthew Benham likes him. Um, I don't think, uh, you know, he would, I don't think he'd sort of openly lie, as a lot of managers do. And I think he's pretty much straight down the line. And, I, and you know, that's why the players like him. Um, when he was at Walsall, he lost something like 11 games on the spin to start with. But they stuck with him and then turned it around. I think they won about, you know, 18 out of 23. I might, the figures might be wrong, but... You know, persevere with him, and he is a good manager. Last night in the press conference after the game, he said, "Oh, I decided to flip it." Now, I wasn't quite sure what he meant by that, but obviously, it's going from a defensive mentality, as Matt has alluded to earlier, or you just alluded that, that Matt had said, um, to going to more offensive, pace-led uh, sort of approach with. Hotter and Joseph soon. Now I knew that Adoma and uh, the the lad on the other flank could have caused us problems. So he obviously thought, right, we'll we'll use our pace to sort of negate what they're what they're capable of, and it worked. And because it worked, you had their two Villa's two wide lads actually having to sit out and keep an eye on Hotter and Joseph soon. And as a result of that, the the, the three in the middle had you know lots of space against three Villa players who, who looked like they'd never met each other um, you know and, and, and it worked and McEachern can pick a pass as we saw for the for, well definitely the third goal I mean that was a, a quality ball and Sawyers can do the same you know that you've got Romain Sawyers is, is, is sees balls that other people don't just like McEachern does and this uh, criticism of, of him baffles me because you know, yeah, he looks like a, like he's he's sort of quite languid at times. But his foot, his footballing brain is is, you know, a, a yard or two ahead of a lot of other players in this division, and he'll only get better. Um, like Dave, I was absolutely gutted after Saturday. You know, I just thought we didn't turn up, we didn't show desire and passion that that I expect as a, as a sort of basic from from any Brentford side. Um, and, you know, that I wouldn't have minded losing 6-0 as long as they'd shown a bit of passion like they did when we relieved one side and we went there before. But, you know, it was it was so disappointing. And then to have the Villa game, it just shows you, you know, what <clears throat> what a fickle bunch of fat people football fans are, me included, you know, because I was in the depths of despair. I was so devastated on Saturday night that as me and my lads walked back to Putney to the car. We passed uh, the uh, Emma Bridgewater shop and bought, went in and bought loads of ceramics for the kitchen just to cheer ourselves up. That's how bad it was. <laughs> and I, I mean, I get that, um, Jim. I mean, I say to, not so to a certain extent, but I, I do get that as well. But on the flip side of it, I mean, we 
we weren't great against Chelsea, so it's not necessarily a fickleness. It's the fact that you know we it's not that fickle. It's just that the team didn't, as far as yeah, we're concerned, no, turn you, up. You're absolutely right. And and last night I said to, to Smith, um, you know, do you feel that playing Chelsea actually helped you get the three 0 against Villa? And he said, I, I pray see his words. They were basically against Chelsea. We saw the athleticism the technical ability, the pace and the power that they had. And he, and we basically all agreed before this game that if, if, if we wanted to show that, then we, we'd have to sort of do it and there would be no barriers. If there are no barriers, you can get to where Chelsea are as, as individuals or as a team. And they went out and did that. So some of it's a mentality thing, I think. Some of it is, is obviously the fact that they're a very young an inexperienced side, so you will get, you know, ups and downs like this. But at the time, it's difficult to take, isn't it? It is difficult to take. And Matt, I mean, we discussed it. We discussed very deep into into Saturday night. We were just sitting around. I mean, it's actually quite a nice evening on Saturday, Chelsea. After we got over the sort of the, the loss by sort of kind of five thirty, there's lots of Brentford fans sitting in the pub sort of discussing lots and lots and lots of things about football, very level-headed, you know, talking about the team, you know, the, the, the anger had come away a little bit about that stage and we were actually sort of kind of talking very level-headed about a lot of stuff and we talked about the way that we'd been set up, we talked about the, the our team, we talked about whether or not we're good enough, we're not, not good enough. We've said this from time that we've always thought that we've actually got a decent set of players out there that can actually kind of play a lot of people off the park. We only had one new player on there. I mean, you say we started with Hotter, yes, but we had one new player, which is Joseph Soon. But in general, we had the same team that we have for matches week in and week out. But we set ourselves up differently and we had a different mentality when we went out for that Villa match, didn't we, don't, um, didn't we Matt? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think with a Chelsea match, I think, um, it, you know, uh, the, the, the opportunity to change things around came... You know, I, I think it was probably there for the Chelsea match, but he just, you know, for whatever reason, Smith decided to stick with what he had for that. Um, and to be honest with the Chelsea match, you know, one of the things for me is that is that we tried to play literally the same system that Chelsea have been brilliant at playing this season with the wing-backs. I mean, they're just brilliant at it. They, they get so much width out of it. Um, whereas we've been flawed at it. So in the end, so what happened was it was like Chelsea versus Chelsea really light, which was us. And, um, and and there was really only ever going to be one winner if in, in, in that scenario. Um, I, I, I I suspect that somebody, uh, this will sound a bit bonkers, but my suspicion is that somebody like Sutton or Lincoln probably would have been more effective against Chelsea because they would have played in a completely different way to any way we can, we can play because of the type of players they've got. Um, absolutely right, yeah. You know, and, that, right. and, and, and that's my sort of, that, that's my feeling about the Chelsea game. Um, and and there's all sorts of reasons we've been set up that way. It's because we've got four centre-backs. It's because we've had no wingers. Suddenly, we've had this flip during the transfer window where we've actually brought three wingers in. Um, Josh Clark is now fit again. And now we've got all these extra, you know, we've got extra wingers. Um, um, so, so we can go and play a completely different way. And that's and, and possibly also Hogan moving as, 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 you know, comes into that as well. So we can literally go back almost, almost to the sort of the, the free form, I'd call it like, you know, free-form football we were playing maybe last we played under Carsley for a short period where, where the players are very much more interchangeable and and, and and although you kind of set up as 4-3-3 you know literally the players are, I mean especially in that midfield those three in midfield were just swapping position one would hold you know they played in a sort of V and one would hold and the other two would be a bit further up and they keep swapping around I mean I'm, I'm, I'm watching it now McCracken's holding at the moment 
Um, and 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 I just think it gave them a freedom to sort of express themselves that has been sorely missing for the last um, month or so. And I mean, Bill, I was... can I, Bill? Yes, Bill, can I come in there? Yeah. Just very. I mean, I've always gone on about Brentford needing um, a sort of an enforcer just to sit in front of the defence and protect the defence. And I've and I've honestly thought that 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 was a position that we've ignored. But as Matt said, you know, having that, that those options on the flanks uh, with a bit of pace to make defences worry about us, maybe maybe we don't need that now. You know, I, maybe I, maybe it's just changed a little bit. I think you do need you do actually, Jim, because I think what happens is, is if you lose a couple of games, you need to put someone in there and you need to flip things around again because otherwise you just end up chasing games, chasing games, and the confidence goes. So. So I kind of I've always kind of agreed with your point is you do need at least one that even if they don't start every game you've got that option. I, I was impressed with McEachern on so many levels last night, but the one thing um, you know he's been accused of is not not tackling back and, and, and not not showing not showing bite. Um, you know he, he, he's the kind of player that you get the best of when you're two 0 up. You know where where you know the game's already dead. Um, but last night he he was he was chasing back and he was he was he was getting his foot in and uh, I don't I don't think anyone anyone would be in un, under any kind of other impression apart from wow what a player we've got there we just we just need we you know hopefully we can get that midfield formation um, uh, cracked so we we can we can interchange and uh, we can we can bring players you know Sawyer's can fit in there if one of the others isn't fit and. You know, it's it's it's, it's going to be difficult. We've got a lot of options now. There's there's, there's players that you you're wondering how they're going to fit into this team now, like Rico Henry, and you know you're thinking, God, how, how, you know, where's Canos going to fit? We're excited to have him back, and you know, so so there's there's options. There's there's options in the selection problems now. So you know, it's it's going to be it's going to be a really interesting next sort of three or four months. And let's we'll just start talking about that a little bit in a minute. But I'm just going to ask the question first, and I'm going to have you, Matt, here again. We normally play three at the back, and we've talked about this a lot, either ourselves on a little WhatsApp ring, three defenders at the back, um, and uh, we try and play a bit of win-back thing, or it may not work. But all of a sudden, yesterday, against Villa, we were playing uh, 4-3-3. You know, so we had a 4-3-3 scenario. Now, Egan was injured. We saw him with the old uh, Terry Butcher around his head on Saturday. And uh, Dean Smith said that he made a choice, and Egan wanted to play, but he decided not to play him. Now, I'm just wondering... You know, was Egan forced out through injury? Was that a not a tactical move? As in, would, would Dean Smith have gone, we're going to go back to 4-3-3 three, three, or we're going to go back to 4 at the back now? Or do you think that his kind of hand was forced because of the injury in this case and it's something that's worked out for us? Um, I, to, to be honest, I don't, I don't think he... I think he was always going to flip it around after Saturday's performance because I think essentially he had two wingers that he could play. I think that's kind of more important. Um, I think it's probably convenient that Egan couldn't play, so it made it clear who he was going to drop out of the um, centre-backs. But um, but moving forwards, of course, who knows what happens there. I mean, you've got to think of Barbe. I mean, he, he you know he's going to be fourth-choice centre-back probably in a team playing two centre-backs. Um, I can't see him playing a lot of football in the near future. And again, I'm going to come back to that because it's a question that we asked beforehand because, you know, we asked this before this is even happened now. With four centre-backs, kind of what happens in the future? Because basically we are overloaded in that centre-back position if this is going to be our preferred manner of playing. Is that right? Um, yeah, yeah, we are. We, we, we will be. Um, but, you know, centre-backs probably get more suspensions and stuff like that. So, 
so there may be a you know a case where we're going to need to 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 play him. We might if things if things are you know we might pick a game where we do decide to go back to the other system at some point. I don't know, um, but yeah, it seems like we do. We suddenly have a lot of centre backs, a lot of wingers, um, and considering you know, um, so interesting as to as to where he goes from here with that. He's I, he's going to struggle to keep everyone happy. I know that much. All right, so listen, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the future of Brentford as in for the rest of the season in a little bit. But obviously, yesterday, the big gong came and it was the, you know, it was Jim White's day. You know, it was the day where everything was happening in football. The most important day or second most important day other than the transfer window in September. The transfer window deadline came down a couple of hours after we beat Villa yesterday. So we're going to talk about the transfer window, how Brentford got on and what it means from here. So transfer windows shut, there's no more players that we can buy, no more players that we can loan. That's it, it's end of story till the end of the season. So Brentford know exactly what they've got, the staff they've got, that's going to take us to the end of the season. So where will we finish? We don't know, but maybe we'll discuss this in a little bit. Obviously the first bit of news, the big bit of news, is obviously the news that's been whirring around Griffin Park for the last month. Scott Hogan. Scott Hogan has finally departed Griffin Park after the first bid went in on the, I think it was the 4th of January. So typical transfer window, lots of activity, 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th of January, oh yeah, and then oh, nothing until the last day when uh, he actually didn't go to the team, which is West Ham who bid on the 4th of January, he actually went to the team that we were playing that evening. So while the Aston Villa team bus was probably coming down the motorway, Scott Hogan was in the car going in the other direction for his medical up in Birmingham and uh, we were sort of kind of giving a little bit of information and a little bit of news here and there as we, we heard it coming in and then you know we couldn't quite do the kabaddi thing as we did with the uh, Florian <laughs> the week before which is a bit of a shame you know I'm not quite sure Scott would be playing kabaddi actually He'd probably be sort of kind of sort of slower just making sure that you know all his parts sort of stay together it's all good good luck to Scott anyway but anyway but we um Yes, as we're saying that, yeah, but Scott Hogan got transferred to Birmingham, to, 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 Birmingham, to Baskin Villa for a, a total of £12 million, which I'd say is probably quite good value. I mean, what, what are you thinking, Dave? Uh, I think it's very, very good bit of business by Brentford. Um, I, I think we all would have liked a couple million more, um, but West Ham really weren't really, you know, they, they were playing silly buggers with us and... Uh, um, they they really disrupted our player and um, had an impact on the Wigan game. Um, they t- they turned the player's head and they made the whole situation a little bit um, un- you know, unacceptable. And so, so something had to go, and uh, and he 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 had to go. So something had to give. That's what I meant to say. Um, so, yeah, but, but, but saying that today, I mean, you say something to give, but we we got twelve. Not be funny. You know, it's like you you say you want fifteen million for someone. Kind of means that you want twelve million. You go, you know. I mean, West Ham, West Ham stuck at nine, and, and that was it. They were like, right, let's see you later. You know, you're not going to get any more than that. It's like it's like when you sell a car. You, you know, you, yeah, exactly the same. You know, you you, you know you, what what you want and what you get are two different things. And you know, yeah, twelve million quid to Scott Hogan with. Um, we we've we've said this a lot, and it was no secret. And, and, I, and I'm I'm still surprised. Part of me that. He's gone for that kind of money. He, he has got two two knees that have had a lot of surgery. Um, he's he's a he's a bad tackle away from 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 doing it again. And I I I I hope I hope and I pray that he, he goes through the rest of his career without any more injuries. But I don't think that will be the case. And I think that's that's it's a there's some something of a quite a big gamble there for Aston Villa. 
Um, they're the kind of team that the final club, sorry, that, that, that takes those gambles a lot. So um, I can't be surprised it's Villa that's done it, but I'm surprised. I, I'm surprised Sky Hogan's gone for like 10, 11, 12 million pounds where when he's, he's had a lot of time out injured. Um, if, if it was Brentford buying that kind of player, I'd, I'd be I'd be scratching my head, going, "My God, really? That's that's a, that's a big old risk." So, um, part of me's relieved he's gone, um, and part of me's relieved he's gone because we've said it so many times on this podcast that he he, he makes us play one way, and that's to try and play the killer pass through to him the whole time, um, and it makes us predictable, and it makes us slightly easier to defend if you've got a good defence. So. Um, um, I think we've said, you know, several times again that um, without him there, it, we, we can we can mix it up. We can be we can be more creative. We can we can interchange and players just haven't got to hit it long the whole time. If they can do that too, I mean, you know, I don't know if you call McEachran's ball a long ball. I mean, it, it, it was still a long ball. There was no air in it. It was no, it wasn't flighted over the top. But it was a, it was a, you know, it was it was kind of route one, but a most beautiful demonstration of route one. If you can just bypass the whole of the midfield, thread it through the outside of the last defender, so you've got your your forward to run onto it. You know, that, that's that's what you want. It's like absolutely killer passing. Um, so we we still will play it. Um, but uh, yeah, so so I was really excited by this Joseph Zoom as well. You know, didn't really know what to expect. We've gone continental. Um, the, the the scouting system, the, the the DOFs have been lambasted for for buying um, untried foreign players. Um, you know, but we we've got we had uh, you know Yota and uh, and uh, Jose Zoom on there last night, and we've got Colin on there last night. We've mentioned Barbe and what a, what an amazing player that he can be. Um, we've got Lasse Vibe on there last night so you know it's it's clearly you know it's clearly a very fruitful place for us to be looking and you can't get it right every time you know people like McEachern have been lambasted but you know on their day every single player that's been brought in looks looks stunning um you know and obviously there's 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 the the, the Hoffman who you know that, that doesn't look as quite as effective but I think, I think maybe we're going to start seeing a few more minutes for for him in the rest of the window as well, rest of the season as well. Because I don't, I still don't think he's been given as, as a full opportunity to show what he can do. You know, I think he's awkward. I think he's um, unorthodox. Um, maybe we'll, we know what we maybe we do know what he is already. But um, I, yeah, from what I what I saw last night, it, it, it can't it can't eradicate all of the criticism because it was it was one ninety minutes. Um, after after a series of kind of you know scratchy head ninety minutes, so um, you know, we're not out of the woods, but it's it's it, it, it demonstrates that uh, you know the recruitment policy isn't isn't that isn't that flawed, um, and um, you know it's, it's it's better to be a Brentford um, <coughs> just paying through the nose for, for 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 players on top of their game. We, we need to okay. we need to get players in. All right, okay. I mean, again, look. What said there? I think that you know the one thing that we can't do is obviously we know that we we're not saying that the club takes risks, right? At the end of the day, we, we, we you know you, you take risks when you're you know funny. We talk we talk about taking risks. Aston Villa have just taken a risk. They bought Scott Hogan. Okay, he scored a load of goals, but they paid nine million pounds for it. Okay, so to them, 
paying nine billion pounds and taking a risk is you know the same of us paying sort of a, a million pounds or five hundred thousand pounds and taking a risk. We've taken a risk with Joseph Zoom, but that's the kind of things that we do. We take risks. We take risks in a different type of area. The thing is, it's not going to always work out right. And for me, the thing that I kind of get is that it's easy to sort of lambast somebody when something goes wrong, but a lot of people don't give credit when it goes right. You know, we've got a lot of decent players that play for Brentford, right? I'm saying, and you, you've gone and you've named a load of them from Colin to Woods to, you know, you know not be funny that that stat on, on Lasse Bibe, maybe a lot. You know, he scored 19 goals in 43 starts, Lasse Bibe. Um, Andre Grace scored 18 goals in 45 starts for Brentford, that is. So there's a perception out there always flying around that some things are better than the others and you can throw it out there and some people are better PR than other but the fact is that we've got a fair set of and I keep saying it, a fair set of decent players out there so sometimes we've got to kind of give ourselves or the club's got to give credit or the people out there to give them credit as well and also you know tip their hats and talk, you know and look, when they make a mistake of course you can look at the mistakes but at the end of the day we're going to make mistakes because we cannot go out there and spend six, seven, eight, nine, ten millions. So at the end of the day, we'll take a risk on someone. Joseph Zuni could have gone out there and he could have done his leg in the first game. Or he could have been a dud because he hasn't played that much for PSV. We still don't know because he only played one game for us. But he looks quite lively at the moment now. So we kind of have to give ourselves a little bit of flexibility. I wanted to come to Jim and ask him the question about, because you talked about Scott Hogan. We got 12 million for him, but we haven't got a like-for-like like striker in this window. Is that a problem? Um, I thought it was, um, but again, being very fickle after last night, maybe it isn't. Um, Dean Smith's very confident that uh, Sergi Canos can play up, up top and through the middle. Um, Hotter's intelligent enough to play anywhere. I mean, I'd just say to him, you know, play where you like, basically, and he, and he does. Um, Lassie Vibe, you know, last night, maybe, maybe without Hogan's sort of there he'll sort of uh, you know flourish you just don't know it's you know we're talking about human beings as well he might have you know Lassie Vibe was always a little bit in Scott Hogan's shadow um, and forced to play off him or have a bit part role now and again well now you know Dean Smith he's a, cle- he's a clever guy he might well have said look position's yours do what you like with it you know you can either go out there and, and take up the mantle or, you know, you can you can have a bit part role and I'll put uh, Sergi up there and, and see how he gets on. He's gone on last night, got two goals, you know, nearly nearly got a third, but for the keeper. Um, and, you know, it's his shirt to, to lose now. Um, 12 million for Scott Hogan. I'd have driven him up to Villa, you know, in my car, to be honest. It's, you know, as Dave says, two, two sort of really serious injuries... One one nasty tackle away from from a sort of career-ending injury, um, and it's it's a weird one because you know you sort of think oh he scored lots of goals for us, but never have I been less bothered uh, about a player who scored that many goals leaving Brentford than I am about him really. Um, Was that because I think because I think twelve million is a lot that you you can do a lot with that. Um, I would have possibly taken a gamble on Bogle, um, but you know they, they've obviously decided that. And it's you know Matthew Benham, he's not stupid. He knows he'll do the, he'll do the uh, percentages, and he obviously thinks we've got enough to to uh, to be nice and safe this season. Um, and let's do our business in the summer, which is when Dean Smith likes to likes to pick up players, and I'm sure we will. 
bring in some more sort of good young talents. And as Dave says, you know, I think we've got probably about a 90, 95% success rate with signings, and that's that's pretty impressive, really. That That is impressive. Um, you know, yeah, I, I, I'd have liked to have seen another goal scorer in, but then that's probably just because I played in that position and, and it's a sexy position and, you know, you like it, but let's wait until summer and see what, what happens then. OK, and, and and again, don't take this wrong way because I'm not pointing the finger and everything, but I'm just saying, because, you know, <laughs> as you, say, you, you say it as you say it, James, because you, yeah. you have been at times critical of our recruitment policy and the directors of football saying they should be doing more, they should be getting the wrong players and all this kind of stuff, but when you say a fact like that, it kind of sort of says that, you know, not saying they've done the best job in the world, yeah. but it says that we actually, we're not doing as bad as kind of everyone's making us out to be. Is that right? We're not. We're not. But I, I do get the feeling that, um, and, and obviously the ground situation plays a part in, in the timing of things, I think. Um, I, I do think that some of the signings we've brought in have been the sort of, you know, at the, at the behest, if you like, of Dean Smith, you know. He'll have known about Sawyers. He knows about Henry. He knows about Egan. Bentley, you know, was was uh, sort of a calculated, not really a risk, but a calculated buy. Um, so yeah, I have been a bit critical um, of. I wouldn't say both directors of football, but <laughs> but uh, but I do. You know, I, I, you know, Joseph soon may well be the one that shuts me up, and if he is, then fantastic. Happy with that. Matt, this window, I mean, it's kind of set us up for um, the back end of the season. I mean, again, I've sat down and I've, I've said straight before the, the Villa match, I said, I said, there's no way we're going to go down. You know, I'd put, I'd put 100, take 100 quid out of the bank and I'll take it down the globe and anyone wants to bet it against me, I'll happily put the money behind the bar and at the end of the season, if we go down, you can have the money. If not, I'll take the money and everyone can have a beer. But I'd say there's no way in the world... You buying around, Bill? You sure about that? <laughs> no way we're going to go down. No way we're going to go down this season. So we could kind of now do... Anything we want, not anything we want, but we can have we can have a little play around. We can have a little bit mess around. You know, we we we, we don't have to bring in players like you know. We talked about the the Bogle. We decided not to go for the Bogle. I thought it was interesting that Bogle went for, you know, considering that he's quite a hyped player. Eight hundred fifty grand he was. You know, considering you know Hogan's twelve million. You got players. You know, anyone who's half decent. You know, they're talking about sort of three four million pounds. And Bogle was eight hundred fifty thousand. Mm. Now, was that not worth the risk, Bill? That's oh, the thing. I, I don't know, but I, I don't know what it's like about again going into the side, balancing the side, other players in there. You know, mm. you've got you know you've got Hoffman in there who, even though a lot of people don't rate, him, but the fact is that you know if he's going to go in the summer, we need to play. We need to play him. So if all of a sudden Bogle's playing, you know, and Bogle may or may not work because maybe they've looked at him. I mean, the fact is, I know for a fact they scouted him. They scouted him a lot. And uh, obviously, they didn't maybe rate him as highly as they thought. Maybe they looked at what we got in the B team, Justin Shibu, and thought, "Tell you something, Shibu's as good as what he is. Why don't we give him a go? Yeah. He's one of our yeah. players instead of playing eight hundred fifty grand." So we've mm. got lots of things that you know we don't necessarily know about. And I again reckon we bring in you know field, field, brilliant. All of a sudden, B team players come in, and now he looks like he might be a in for being our left back, which means that interestingly, when Henry comes in. Will he be on the bench or will he be playing left midfield? And does that mean that between him and Josephine they'll be fighting out? For, you know, all of a sudden it makes us become a, a stronger squad because if you've got somebody like Henry coming off the bench or Josephine coming off the bench, 
we're all thinking happy days because all of a sudden it looks like they were starting to get this strength in depth that you always talk about Jim isn't that right yeah I mean I, you know I, I, I've got you talking about Tom Field for me I, I can't recall uh, a sort of youngster coming into a Brentford side and looking as assured as he has I mean you know yesterday you know, there was one little bit in the second half where he's popped the ball through the, the defender's legs and it was deliberate you know He's enjoying himself, and you know if you enjoy yourself, you can play with a smile on your face, and then you'll be even better. And yeah, Rico Henry coming back, Joseph soon, Potter can play out that side as well. You can switch. You know, yeah, happy days, as you say. I, I, I think um, bringing Bogle in would have been massive, massive disrespect to Lasse Vive. Um, uh, I, that stat says it all. You know, he, he's he's as prolific as uh, as Andre Gray. Um, the, yeah, take- the, the, the only reason I said that, though, <clears throat> Dave, was because you know, if if Lasse gets injured, then you've got no, you know, out and out goal well, scorer I, apart I, I, from apart I think, from. I think we are going to play. I think we are going to play Canos up top. That, that's yeah, that's okay. yeah, I think yeah. you know. Yeah. You, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't have him in any of those wide positions at the expense of uh, you know the ones that were in the team last night. You, you can you can flip it around a bit. Um, you know, Canos I'm sure will play on the wing as well. Um, but you know, I, I I'm I'm excited to see him play up top. Um, again, that might be disrespecting Vibe as well. I I think that um you know what I'm really hoping is that we're going to go back to this sort of more interchangeable. Um, a system where you know players, you know there is a basic system out there. It's something like a four-three-three, a four-two-three-one, whatever. But players can interchange much more than they have been, um, and there's much more of a freedom for them. Um, and and I, you know, I think um, I, I think what will be interesting actually is to compare. I think a good stat to look at will be how many goals we score in our however many games we've got till the end of the season without Hogan versus how many goals we scored with Hogan because. Because, and I say this, you know, it's not the first time I've said this, but for me, it's great when a player scores 20 goals a season, but if no one else is in the team is scoring, it doesn't mean a lot. So really, I'm more interested in how many goals are the team scoring in a game. Um, yeah, great if a centre forward contributes to that, but um, but let's just see whether we, you know, whether we, we 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 score more goals as a team than we have been in 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 recent times, and I'm and I think we're probably going to set ourselves up to to play more that way. Um, and you know, and, and, and we sort of because we strengthened with the sort of players that can play in that interchangeable way. There's no way you were going to get Hogan, you know, going out and playing as one of the wide players that even like Clayton Donaldson could have done previously. That Bebe has done. You know, Hogan was 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 one type of player, and um, and and I'm sort of thinking that maybe we're going to see a bit more of that. And just coming back to a point, I think it's either Laney or Jim said a bit earlier. Let's just talk about Vibe again, because Vibe, you know, he's come on, and all of a sudden, yes, he's kind of stepped up to the plate because Hogan isn't there. Um, interestingly, beforehand, we had the similar scenario with Alan Judge. Alan Judge was the key man, and everything went through Judge. Everything went through Judge. Judge had a brilliant game. Brilliant fan had a brilliant game. If Judge had a bad game, we had a, a bad game because we put everything through him. He had a terrible injury, yes, and he came out the side. But all of a sudden, when Judge came out the side, everyone stepped up. And then you notice that was the time when Vibay stepped up his game and he was banging in the goals. And he was brilliant towards the back end of the season. But interestingly, he made the decision, which he probably looks in the retrospect and probably thinks, OK, it's a lifetime decision, I had to do it. But went to the Olympics and cut his hair. And uh, so cutting his hair and going to the Olympics and then coming back. And when he came back, he was properly off form. 
Hogan was in that lead position because when he left, don't forget, he was playing the lead position, man. He was the man up front. Hogan was coming off the bench last 10 minutes and replacing him, like, you know. So all of a sudden, it's like he was now the man coming off the bench from the Olympics, big holiday, everything else like that, and he was properly off form. So, so interestingly now, he's now stepped back in, Hogan's come out, he's gone into the position and he's potty for it. And you can see that little well, part, hopefully, you yeah. carry on, Matt. What's interesting, actually, and and I may have misread two interviews with Viva, but he told us when he first came to the club, he wasn't a centre-forward, he was a number 10. And then I think he's told us in an interview today that he's not a number 10, he's a centre-forward. So even possibly his thinking and the way he plays has changed. And actually, he does feel like he's an out-and-out. You know, he is a, he can play in the number nine role. Um, so I think that's quite interesting. Um, and can I just quickly flick back to Bogle? All I do wonder, though, is is actually, you know, when the scouts go out there, it doesn't mean a player's not a great player, but possibly they just don't think he's going to suit the system. And, and also, let's talk about Hogan. The biggest impact he had was, as you as you just you know rightly pointed out, Bill, as well, was when he was coming in off the bench, and, and, and he, the surprise factor was there. So people really didn't didn't know what they were going to get. But, you know, he, he did he did ultimately make us quite a, quite a predictable. Um, yeah, thing. I, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, I agree with all that. I think we shouldn't. I don't want to feel like we're dissing him because because he really. I mean, as a, I've never seen a player play for our side that that you know had that eye for goal i mean let's not knock him but but you know football's far more complex than if you play somebody that scores yeah. lots of goals he'll score lots of goals and you'll get promoted it, it, do, you know, do you know what Matt? Complex, like, you're absolutely you're absolutely right there matt because you know football and a, and a successful team is about having a group of individuals a group of blokes who trust each other in every area of the field. Now, sometimes I used to watch Hogan's body language. If he didn't get the ball he wanted, he would he, he was a sulk. He'd have a little sulk. And, you know, if you're a midfielder who's tried to thread the perfect ball through for Scott Hogan, it's not quite come off. And he's having a little hissy fit on the side, which he did occasionally. You know, whether you like it or not, he did. Then that, that you know, it just breeds a little bit of... Uh, I don't know, antipathy maybe amongst your teammates. Now, Lassie Vibi, the way he closes keepers down and everything is, you know, he, and, you know, I've seen him at half time interacting with <coughs> the, um, the sort of, uh, I think the, the Down Syndrome, is it Anthony, the Down Syndrome lad down there? Yeah. You know, fantastic the way he sort of has a little bit of banter with him. He's just absolutely smashing guy, Vibe. And, you know, that's important as well that we've got the right characters at the club and yeah you might be right maybe Bogle didn't fit the bill with that um, maybe, 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 maybe so there's no there's no sort of misinterpretation here maybe we ought to um, say say goodbye to Scotty Hogan by by te- telling us that our favourite goal or favourite moment because at his peak I, I, I agree with what Jim said he, there, there, there's very few um, I've ever seen as clinical and I, I, my personal highlight um, of, of Scotty Hogan was um, Huddersfield last game of the season last year. Um, we beat we beat him five, um, and he he was Scotty Hogan was on fire that day. Um, the, the the ball through from KK to uh, <coughs> it was it was it was just precision clinical 
And I, I thought we, we we haven't seen a player like this. It's like a, you know, it's just like um, a, a Lineker or it's like a Kevin Phillips or these, well, these goal machines. We, we 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 didn't have them. So I think that's as that's as near as we we, we you know we've ever, we've ever had. So I don't know if you've got any other Hogan memories, lads. Yeah, my, I mean, he was dev- a devastating finisher. That's, I don't know if that makes sense, but that's, but that's kind of, and I've never seen a player like that for Brentford before. Maybe Holdsworth, but he had more pace than Holdsworth, and you know, DJ Campbell, I suppose, the only other one you could compare him to. Um, although DJ didn't play, you know, for 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 as long as um, Hogan did. Although, well, actually, maybe they did play for roughly the same amount of time. Um, uh, so yeah, goal. Do you know the one I remember, or I've, or I've been thinking about? It's actually it was an unusual Hogan goal. Was the one at Birmingham where instead of him running with the ball, he sort of picked it up in the box, just came and then he just slotted it into the goal. Um, the one away to Birmingham this season. Um, that's kind of the one that I was thinking about the other day, as that was a, a different type of goal. Do you know what? I, can, I absolutely agree with Matt. There, it wasn't probably his greatest goal, but. It was one touch. I know what I'm going to do. This is going in the far corner. Arrowed into the far corner. Ice in his veins, and and that's that's the mark of a of a of a proper centre forward, a proper goal scorer. Absolutely right. Yeah, quite and, agree. And, and and for me, obviously, I've, I've written quite a few articles on Scott Hogan for, for for rival people for the West Ham. They came in quite early, and you know, and I told him exactly what I thought. And I, said this from the time I said I thought that Scott Hogan's a much better finisher than Andre Gray I think he's a, a great player and I hope he does really well so this is not a disrespect to him I think maybe if anything it's probably a a slight um not a disrespect to Brentford but just goes to show that maybe um it shows how maybe one dimensional we can be or maybe we just get star, starstruck with a player who is so good in, in a particular position that we can't necessarily kind of deviate from playing in one particular way. And maybe that's kind of, a, you know, like I said to you, it's maybe it's a, it's a fault with Brentford as itself that we have to play one way for Scott Hogan, but a brilliant player. But for me, I just remember when we played, uh, you know, Fulham, there's that game where basically it was all over, I think, you know, we smashed them 3-0 and, and again, Hogan came on um, and, he, and he scored his second, or he, he scored his what's the second goal with a, with a volley against Fulham. And for us, you know, at that time, we weren't, you know, still quite sure about Scott Hogan. He'd come back in a little bit of injuries, but by that time, the fact that he kept on coming on and scoring goals every match towards the back end of the season, I thought to myself, oh my god, we got, we got, it's going to be a really exciting season next season. Huddersfield away again was really great. I remember that, Lane, but you you stole that one for me, so I had to step a couple of matches back and go for the Fulham. The last, the last point, really, I think on this little section is that I think, I think the fact that we all know he was going to go, um, there was no, no real fuss from any of the fans. Um, I think, I think we look back and the timing of it was utterly perfect for both the club and the player. Um, he, he went without any, any sort of really major huffs. If he'd have stayed until the end of the season, I think there would have been bad blood. I think, I think the price, the timing. For the, for the for the club and 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 the players is spot on, and uh, we wish him all the best in the world. We do wish him all the best in the world. And just one last point, I wanted to say on the transfer window as well, because transfer window is shut and it's all over. But we're not particularly happy with the transfer window and the format of the transfer window. Um, we discussed it at length, and if you want to check out last week's Chelsea pre-Chelsea podcast, we had a really good in-depth conversation with us and the Chelsea lads about the the window. Is it right? Is it wrong? You know, should it be shortened? Should it be lengthened? Should it be just changed completely? Should we just not have it at all? And uh, interestingly, Phil Giles came out today and he gave his thoughts on the transfer window. You'd almost think that Phil's been uh, well. Phil had rings in his eyes, is what you'd think actually. But you'd think that he'd be uh, listening. To our podcast last week because he said exactly the similar things that we were talking about. He said, um, 
you felt that the window is creates a situation which it pushes the prices up you know all of a sudden you supply and demand so if you put all the players into a window on a, a short space of time it pushes the prices up so it, you know naturally it kind of benefits the agents as such it doesn't benefit the players it doesn't benefit the fans it doesn't benefit the tea so he goes it's the product of the transfer window as a whole football set up a transfer window that doesn't actually work for football Brentford can't change it but I think maybe we could start to look collectively how we could uh, do things differently he said all clubs are being affected big clubs and small clubs and it's putting too much pressure and stress on players and clubs and everyone working in football for just a, a very small part of the season so I mean we're not going to because we discussed it as we said check it out on that pre-Chelsea podcast but guys I mean it's interesting that Phil sort of now come out after the window shut saying window transfer window rubbish isn't it Laney yeah yeah it is um, we're, we're, we're we're stuck with the system we little old Brentford aren't going to aren't going to be able to change it what I, um, I, Phil Giles seems to sort of be becoming more more vocal um, he seems to he seems to be explaining his thoughts a lot more often. Um, I think you know he's come on beside. He's come been on this podcast a couple of times. Um, he's, he's become he's the last very, social as well. Yeah, he's the last social. He's becoming a very good communicator. I think we need to see more of that. I think um, I think the, the the more I the more I hear him, the, the, the conversations I have with him, he's, he's an extremely knowledgeable um, man. Um, he does he does know the game. Um, <clears throat> so I, th- I think you know from. I think he's going to be at Brentford for you know for, for a, quite a while. So um, the more the more we hear from him, the, the better I think. Um, he's, and again, as Jim as Jim said about Dean Smith, I, we have to say about Phil Giles is what a thoroughly nice bloke he is. So we, we have got decent people at our football club. Um, and you know, Jim 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 admitted that you know we got a ninety five percent success rate in the in the in in our dealings over the last few years. So. You know, bit by bit, I think we're all becoming a little bit, um, bit more sort of a comfortable, knowledgeable. I don't know, just at home with um, just the way the, the, the club's being set up. I think it's always going to evolve. Um, transfer window, as Bill said, you know, the, I thought the last last week's podcast was was, was really good because we had the Chelsea fan, um, Chelsea fans' perspective in there as well. So we, we see how how it's affecting them too. So um, yeah, 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 not a bad window. Jim, you... yeah, your thoughts. I mean, I said just just quickly yeah. transfer window. I mean, I mean it, you know, it's I not. Think the, yeah. I think the transfer window should be shortened to sort of a week. Um, yeah, it's exciting on the final day, and that's all Jim White's interested in. He just wants a good final day. He can wear his yellow tie, and and you know, it's it's yeah, it's exciting. Uh, but you know, what deal can't you get done in a week that you could get done in a month? There's there's none. Um, West Ham's behaviour, I thought, was absolutely uh, well, and the agent reprehensible, really, because it's it potentially has cost us six points. Uh, we'd have beaten Newcastle with with Hogan, possibly, um, you know. But then then there's a lot of things that the, the that the EFL need to look at, and in terms of you know parachute payments, I think uh, parachute payments make make it difficult for clubs like us. Financial fair play isn't fair. Um, you know, and there's a lot of things that are wrong with the game, but I do, I do feel that the uh, the transfer system, there's, there's, there's no reason to drag that out and, you know, and, and allow agents to basically dictate to managers who they pick. It just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense at all to me. Um, 
Matt, I'm going to ask a question. I mean, for us, we're fans. Does the transfer window affect fans? Do you think, or do, do is it more about the clubs and the players and the, and and and, well, and the agents? Um, when you say affect fans, do you mean? Um, I mean, what do you mean? Do you mean? Do you mean? Do the fans enjoy it? Well, just as, you know, like, like say for example, this this Scott Hogan scenario for a start has affected me. Yeah. You know, it's affected my football, it's affected my game, it's affected the fact I've gone to Newcastle and uh, and and technically the best player or what you know one of our best players of the side who could have scored against them especially when they were flagging you know and 70 80 minutes yeah. we brought him on and we could have scored and we oh. got three points and had a great day so to me that the transfer window being a month has affected me as a fan now i think i, I my suspicion is is that for those of us that um are more you know for, for maybe you know a, a number of season ticket holders um, and travel to lots of games and spend lots of money on football, it probably does affect us negatively. But I suspect that the average armchair supporter, and they're the people that probably Sky, who, let's face it, currently run football, although maybe the tide's um, starting to turn, um, um, they, I think they probably love the transfer window and the deadline day, and they tweet about it and all of that. So, yeah, probably some of us, some of us, yeah, it probably does affect, but... But what, why can't it be a week, though? That what? Oh, no, I, to be honest, Jim, Jim, I'd get rid of it. I wouldn't even have it. I'd just have us. I'd have it. Basically, I'd, I'd. I mean, I said this last week, so I won't say too much more. But I just have it when we're not playing in the summer, um, and then I'd have the loan system opened up during the during the rest of the season, and um, and you know work work with that. I'd say I'd say a week. I'd say a week's too short. Then two weeks is perfect. I, you know, I, it allows for. Th- the more protracted ones to drag on for two weeks, but no more than two weeks. It's, that's, that's enough. I mean, my argument is I think a week is you give them two weeks and they'll drag it out for two weeks. You give them a week, they've got to finish it off in a week. But anyway, no more transfer window talk because the transfer window isn't going to be back to the summer. Way hey, we've got a match on Saturday. Brighton are coming down. Brighton Sunday. Saturday, Sunday. Who really cares? The Sunday social, <laughs> Saturday social. We'll be getting together anyway. Brighton are coming down on probably on Saturday. Actually, the fact is, I was telling you that Brighton are coming down on Saturday. Probably going to stay overnight to play us on Sunday, <laughs> and uh, so we're going to be there on Sunday with our pints of beer, waiting for the bees to come because we're now excited because we know that we're going to give them hopefully a game like we did down at the Amex a few months ago. So let's uh, talk about the Brighton game in just one minute. So when Sunday comes, not when Saturday comes, Brighton are in town and uh, a little bit of trepidation probably after watching us on the box on Tuesday but you know hopefully if we carry on the way that we left off on Tuesday we should give them a good game I mean that they've come out sold out this 1600 allocation and they're also beaming the game back to the Amex as well so uh, there's going to be quite a few Brighton fans watching that game absolutely potty for it hoping they're going to go top of the league on Sunday however for us we need to carry on where we left off on Sunday or last, last Tuesday. So Brighton coming down, guys, do you think that we're going to be able to do the same? Um, I think um, I think we should set out to do the same. I don't think... Do you know what? I, I think... I, I felt that in the in the Villa game, we sort of... We just... We, we did our thing. We played our way. I don't think... We probably didn't even know Villa were going to play because they were signing players all week. Um, and I think we should go into the Brighton game with the same attitude. Um, why not? Why not go for it? Um, I, you pick the same team. I don't see any reason to change the start in eleven um, and have a crack. And, and score prediction, mate? Um, score prediction. I think. I think. Is it too much to ask for two amazing performances on the spin? 
Um, this season suggests we won't be brilliant again on Sunday, so I'm going to go for one all. There you go, there you go. And I, want to, I just got to interject here because, I, you know, we like to give the B team as much props as we can do. The B team played another game again today. They played Reading away from home. They beat them 2-1 with goals from Zane Westbrook and apparently Reese Goal had an absolutely wicked bending free kick which went round the wall. So maybe we've got a future set-piece person out there as well because... Uh, um, Zane Westbrook, you know, no, definitely Reese Cole's one of the sort of kind of the shining stars out there as well. You know, we've got, like I said, Justin Scheibe, who we talked about before, the striker. Um, Mepham as well, cent- uh, central defender as well. And the, the, the Ilias, who's another guy, you know, who we've talked about as well. And also, we've got Johansson, the Brazilian, as we call him, who actually went off injured um, in that match. But I just need to mention the B team because we think they're going to play a bit of a part as Brentford as they go on um, into the back half of the season. You know, probably not featuring in this Brighton game as such, but maybe featuring in a few games down the line. But coming back to the Brighton game, Jim. Yeah, I mean, you know, as, as Matt says, it's it's a lot to ask for two performances like that uh, from such a young side. But but you know, why not? It's their top of the league. They'll bring, they'll they'll fill the away end. There'll be a good atmosphere. It's it's a three o'clock, um, and I don't, you know, I don't see why not. You know, if, if we've, we'll have. A little bit of extra time to re- for recovery uh, compared to them because I think they're playing on Thursday night. I think that's right. Um, so you know why not? And, and you know they're the kind of games that we need to sort of measure ourselves against sides like that, uh, just as we measured ourselves against Chelsea and learned from Chelsea. Uh, and I I actually think we'll we'll beat them. Um, I think it'll be by the odd goal. Probably a goal in three. I don't see why not. Two one, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Two one. Jim Levesque, the Allards. Oh no! You've done me, Bill. I've done you. I was going to ask you again if you're going to change your mind, though. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm still going for one I'm still going for four all. I'm not. You're not. Yeah, yeah. I, Jim hasn't convinced me. Maybe Laney can. That's right, well, Laney. Bill, take them rings out your eyes, mate. Um, <laughs> I don't think it is too much to ask for two performances on a spin like that. I think it's, we, we should be expecting it. I don't. I think it's too much to ask for maybe three. I think. I think the threat of Villa is almost as exciting to those players as the threat of Brighton. They'll want to go out and 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 show that we're no mugs, and it's the first double of a season potentially as well. So, um, I th- I think we could do the double over them. I, 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 I understand why Matt said it because I think we follow, you know, we we followed um, the the big win against Preston with a with a draw, expecting we were going to going to do well. Correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't it nil nil against Wigan after that or something like that? I I I I got a feeling, feeling we haven't sort of followed um, great performances with great performances thus far, but we've we've got a new formation and we've got we've got exciting players with pace to come into this team, mm. so. I'm going to I'm going to say we will see another exciting performance, um, and we are going to we're going to we're not going to lose this game. Important we don't get too carried away by Villa. Yeah, I, mean, well, that, you I, know. I think Brighton are a bit bigger threat than than, than yeah. uh, Villa. School prediction? Um, I'll, I'll go for a two-two. Two-two. All right. Okay. Let's go. And for myself. I'm going to go straight. I'm going to say um, 2 1 to the Bs. We're going there. We're going to get the points. You can't again. have that. I've had that. Can't have that. Oh, 
I'm going to run as well because I'm still top of the league table somehow. So you know, what I'm saying you, you'll be slotting in, you know. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to go two. Um, you know, I can go three two if you want to actually, just to make it a bit more exciting. We go three two, three two to the beat right. as well. Okay. So which is all good, you know. So listen, sort of pride of West London podcast. Just want to actually mention one other thing as well, which is quite exciting as well. There's a movie which has been premiered in about a month's time, which Brentford is very much involved in. It's a film about a footballer coming out. It's called Wonder Kid, and uh, it's going to be down at Sky Television, Sky Involved. There's all sorts of characters turning up, you know what I'm saying? There's all sorts of dignitaries and everybody, and Brentford's very much involved in that. Also, the, the Brentford LGBT kind of society is involved in that as well. Bison's involved in it. Besotted are going to be down there, and we're going to try and see if we can get some tickets as well if uh, some of our characters want to come down to the screening as well. Go down, a bit of screening, a bit of beer, a bit of wine, a bit of chin-wagging, you know, a bit of support action, a bit of support for, uh, for the whole... Brentford LGBT Society. So, listen, we're going to hopefully find out a little bit more about that. We haven't been, they've been a little bit tight on the tickets so far for the fans, but don't worry, we'll try and see if we can liberate a few. So, anyway, Wonder Kid, at the end of the month, just check out that. But I just thought we'd let you know about that news a little bit early. But as we say, besides Pride of West London podcast, we're very excited about uh, Brighton coming down the weekend. So, hopefully, we'll see you in the pub beforehand for a beer as we can cheer the fact that we actually smashed Villa for the first time in our history. And hopefully we can go on and do the same thing against Brighton on Saturday. As we say, come on, you Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.